Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I'm Matt Goldstone, and today we're studying Sachim Daf Ayin Tet, page 79. On today's Daf, we find the following Mishnah. Nitzmakehal, o rubo, o shahayu koanim tmeim, vahakahal tehorim, yasu betuma. Nitzmami utakahal, hatehorin osin etarishon, vetmein osin etesheni. If the community, or the majority of the community, become impure, or if the priests were impure, but the community was pure, they should offer the Korban Pesach in that state of impurity. If a minority of the community was impure, then those who are pure should offer the first Korban Pesach, i.e. in its proper time, and those who are impure should offer the second Korban Pesach, that is to say, offer their sacrifice on Pesach Sheni, which falls a month later. The Torah itself in Bemidbar chapter 9 verses 9 through 13 discusses the case where an individual happens to be impure during the time when the Korban Pesach is supposed to be offered. In verses 10 through 11 there we read, Dabera el Bnei Yisrael lemor, Ish ish ki yetamela nefesh, o v'derech rechoka lachem, o l'dorotechem, ve'asa Pesach l'adonai, v'chodesh hasheni ve'arba asar yom, ve'en ha'arbaim, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, When a person, one of you or your descendants, will be impure or very far away, and makes a Pesach offering to God, they should offer it on the fourteenth day of the second month. On Matzot and Maror they should eat it. The biblical requirement assumes that the sacrifice cannot or should not be offered in a state of impurity. But rather, one who finds oneself in such a state must wait until the next month in order to make the sacrifice in a proper state of purity. Our Mishnah thus introduces a somewhat radical possibility that the sacrifice can be made in a state of impurity so long as the majority of the people who provide the sacrifice or the majority of the priests who actually make the sacrifice are impure. The Mishnah here does not suggest, as we find later in the Gemara, the possibility that the minority of those who are pure should make the sacrifice to ensure that the proper ritual precautions are taken. So what's going on behind our Mishnah? The Gemara offers a rationale that Ein Korban Sibur Chaluk, literally, a communal sacrifice is not divided. Rashi explains that when the majority are impure and would offer their sacrifice in impurity, the minority of those who are still pure should not divide and make their own sacrifices in purity, while the majority offers impure sacrifices. We'll see further discussion of some of these ideas in tomorrow's daf, but for today, I'm intrigued by the question of the role that the majority plays in overriding or determining the proper practice. Much has been written on the nature of purity and impurity, trying to understand it from psychological, anthropological, and other perspectives, 
Mary Douglas, for example, and others have tried to help us understand this phenomenon, which too often is relegated to the realm of the incomprehensible divine will. For our purposes, I'm less interested in the particulars of what makes something or someone pure or impure, but rather in our case, where impurity can suddenly no longer be a concern. In this case, purity exists as the standard norm of the community. The proper state of being, as removed from death, decay, and chaos, constitutes the general state of balance or purity, which usually only becomes disrupted at the fringes of society. The mitzorah, for example, the one inflicted with tzara'at, is the individual who is contaminated, becoming different in a visible way from his or her companions. But what happens when the infliction or impurity strikes on a wider scale, when everyone, or almost everyone, deviates from the ideal norm? As Foucault described in the case of madness, the norm of the majority constitutes an ostensibly arbitrary set of criteria, which distinguish those who are, quote-unquote, normal, from the abnormal or deviant, through which power is created and exerted. So if purity and impurity is about deviation from the norm, we shouldn't be surprised that when the majority changes, so too do the standards of deviation. When everyone finds themselves in the formally unacceptable state, that state suddenly ceases to be as problematic. When everyone is impure, no one is impure. The pure minority, in fact, becomes the deviant group, who must conform to the impure majority in offering their sacrifice. But this is not a permanent shift. At some point, presumably, that majority of people who are impure can purify themselves and reestablish the norm. But for that moment, when it actually matters, when they need to bring the Korban Pesach, during that time, no one is able to do anything about it, and so something has to shift. The biblical determinations of what is appropriate and what is not, at least in this ritual context, remain in place. But in actuality, what the people do in this instance is dependent upon the current set of circumstances in which they find themselves. However, once the balance can be restored, we return to our prior normative standards. In today's daf, then, we glimpse, glimpse a moment where the norm shifts in light of the majority to re-establish itself temporarily in the new, non-ideal situation. But the Gemara goes on, as it often does, to test the waters of the liminal situation. What happens when it is exactly half and half? When half the people are impure, but half are pure? Do we allow each to constitute its own group? such as the view of Rav, where each offer the sacrifice by themselves, those who are pure together, and those who are impure amongst themselves. According to this position, it's about a critical mass of people with whom one can relate in order to see oneself as fulfilling the prescription among the collective, and not as an outcast, even when half of the people performing the ritual fall outside of the underlying normative assumption of acceptability. Another possibility, offered by Rav Kahana, is that those who are pure offer their korban at the appointed time, while those who are impure must wait until Pesach Sheni. This, of course, would seem to reflect the biblical status. A second version of this position has Rav Kahana suggest that the second group, in fact, can never offer their korban. Is half of the community enough to constitute a critical mass 
to allow each group to isolate themselves off from the other and constitute a community of their own, or if we only accept the pure half of the population, does the ritual act of the Korban Pesach itself become somewhat less significant when it is not an act performed by the Jewish community at large? The Korban Pesach plays a vital role within Jewish community and communal memory. It symbolizes the exodus from Egypt and ensuing covenant at Mount Sinai. So what does it mean for only a part of the population to partake of this offering? Or for the basic rules regarding this sacrifice to shift when non-ideal circumstances arise so that people can still partake even in a state of impurity? The DAF doesn't provide us with answers or even engage with them explicitly, but for us at least, it raises the questions. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.